You put on a good show, but uh, I don't buy it. I don't understand. You're no Jedi. Just some overconfident Imperial trash who just pushed their luck too far. You're making a mistake. And you, sir, should have surrendered when the Empire collapsed. Jakris, get RD3 to scan these imposters for identification. Allow me to show you our identification. <laughs> Captain, we are no Jedi. Tigar. Welcome to our 213th Astonishingly Ahsoka episode of MandaVision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small independent Star Wars podcast. We're so glad you're here, and we're so glad to be back. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is on social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. We're still on Twitter. We don't know if that'll last forever, but for now we are. But definitely find us on Instagram. My goodness. Please email the show at MandaVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Well, it's here. It's finally dropped. It's happened. The Ahsoka series that we've been waiting so long for is finally upon us. And more importantly, this show is back to talk about it. So I'm delighted. Uh, You all may recall from the little bonus show that we dropped a few weeks back, there have been some scheduling conflicts over the course of the summertime that have uh, precluded me from making a lot of new episodes of of the series. Uh, luckily, we had some banked, so we were able to stay fairly consistent throughout the, the, these summer months. Um, but now we're here. We're back with, with, with new shows. My first time back in front of the microphone, really getting to talk to everybody uh, in, in, in quite some time. So hopefully I'm not too rusty. And, and I'm really excited for what we're here to talk about, to talk about the Ahsoka show that we've all been looking forward to for quite some time. And it's now finally here. August is upon us. And I just, like like many of you, I couldn't be more excited. We've been doing a great job, I think, kind of chronicling a lot of Ahsoka's rise through the Jedi Order as in our Star Wars Clone Wars rewatch episodes. Uh, and we, we just dropped the end of Season 5 not too long ago, and those are absolutely pivotal episodes for the development of the character. So 
it's it's seemed like a good place to uh, kind of wait for the Ahsoka show to, to stop, to, to get started, so we can kind of touch on some of those elements, right? Now, obviously, the series has a lot of connections to the Rebel series, which we've not done a rewatch on just yet. So, you know, we'll talk about a lot of that stuff as we go on, but the assumption is going to be that everyone's watched Rebels. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about Rebels without having to lay a lot of the groundwork. And that is an interesting challenge that I think this show has, uh, specifically after watching these first two episodes. Uh, I was sort of surprised by how strong the connections were to Rebels. The, the, you know, they, they, they make an effort to sort of lay it out there for new fans to be able to walk into the show. I'm not sure how successful those efforts are, necessarily, because I, I feel like there's, there's, it, the, sto the storytelling, the, the connections to the characters are, are very dense and complex, and they're trying to get a lot of information out to newer mem new audience members uh, without having to kind of give us that entire history. And I suppose what they're going for is, is like, well, yeah, there's history here. And if you really want to know more about it, you should go back and watch Rebels, but you kind of don't because we're just going to move forward anyways. And there's enough new stuff there for even us hardcore Star Wars fans to sort of wonder about like, hey, wait, what has happened since the end of Rebels? Because there seems to be a lot of uh, implication of things having occurred <laughs> that, we're, that we're sort of in the dark about. And, and we'll get a chance to talk about those things a little bit more fully on the other side of the bump. But let's go ahead and get our particulars out for this. This this uh, The first two parts of the series that dropped last night, which will mean that we break these episodes down a little bit differently than we normally would when we tackle them one-on-one. -on -one. But let's go ahead and talk about the plot for part one. Master and Apprentice, a valuable prisoner escapes New Republic custody. A search for answers reunites old friends. This episode, written and directed by Dave Filoni, the... Uh, the master and apprentice relationship at work in that episode. Uh, in regards to the title for this context, we'll say George Lucas is the master, Dave Filoni is the apprentice, and now Dave Filoni sort of is rising up to become a master in his own right. Uh, and I think he pays a wonderful homage to uh, Lucas's style uh, for visual storytelling in this episode. Uh, so, so kind of take note of that when you watch the episode. It's very, very interesting. Part two is Toil and Trouble, a plot for that episode. Ahsoka and General Harrison Dula travel to New Republic shipyards and make an unexpected discovery. This episode has connect connections to the recently concluded Season 3 of The Mandalorian, specifically Episode 3, The Convert. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side of the bump as well. This episode, written by Dave Filoni, directed by Steph Green, who directed episode at least one episode of The Book of Boba Fett, has also directed The Americans, uh, the Watchmen series that was on HBO, so a very accomplished director in their right. Our primary cast for these two episodes, Rosario Dawson, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ray Stevenson, the late, great Ray Stevenson. Uh, final, I believe this will be his final um, on-screen appearance in anything since his passing a few months ago. Uh, so they did a lovely tribute to, to Ray at the, uh, I believe it was at the end of the episode. So really nice to see him in live action for Star Wars. You know, he's done voice work in the past. But again, seeing him on the screen, he brings a real presence to things, and we'll talk a little bit about that too as we get into the episode. Uh, also starring Ivana Sacno, Diana Lee Inosanto, David Tennant, Clancy Brown makes the jump from animation to live-action Star Wars without having to have a ton of makeup on, and Iman Fondi has a small little cameo as Ezra Bridger. So that's really exciting stuff. 
I think it's time to dive into the episode. There's a lot going on. You know, we talked a little bit already about how complex and dense some of the storytelling elements are in the series. So we've got a lot to kind of tackle here as we move forward. So we're going to do that, which you know what that means. It's time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Balin, you are true to your word. And well paid for it, Lady Morgan. The Jedi who captured me seeks the map. She knows about Thrawn. Who is this Jedi? Ahsoka Tano. So I'm very, very, very excited that this series is on now. We get a new taste of uh, the Star Wars, this New Republic era that they've begun exploring through The Mandalorian. And also that it's acting as something of a sequel to Rebels, which is an absolutely phenomenal Star Wars series, if you've not watched it, which I just assume we all have. Uh, but as is sort of the, a known kind of commodity, there's a few adjustments, a few tweaks to things. Um that I think are very, very interesting thus far on the series. I did really like these first two episodes, so please note that anything uh, that, I, that I sort of uh, comment on and maybe uh, appear to be critical of is not in a, in, a, in a negative fashion. It is positive. I do like this show a lot. Uh, I did think part one sort of had some interesting pacing. It was slower in spots than I would have expected, but I think part of that may just be because uh, with a series like The Mandalorian and, and Book of Boba Fett, they move at this, this insanely uh, lightning pace. Um, that sounds like a bad sentence, but the pace on those series is incredibly quick, very brisk, and sometimes it's like so fast you're, you're, you're sort of like caught off guard. You're like, wait, what just happened? This show's over? Uh, this show is more deliberate, more drawn out, uh, more thoughtful in, in a lot of senses, but I think... Uh, us Star Wars fans maybe have gotten a little used to that that faster tempo on things, uh, so there may be moments, particularly in the first episode, that seem like they're a little drawn out. Like particularly the one the one I'll, I'll re reference here is uh, Ahsoka in that chamber, um, kind of putting that puzzle together so that she can unlock that map room and get the get the get the sphere. That was really a drawn out sequence. It was it was very interesting. I mean, it obviously has a bit of an homage to Indiana Jones stuff, but I was surprised by how long it was and how kind of drawn out it was uh, an interesting sequence to to say the least and and that's sort of our first glance at our uh, first uh, visual of ahsoka in the series is on that planet in that map room we find out that she's uh you know working with huang they have a ship they do things together they go on adventures who knew <laughs> i'm very curious you know i'm curious how uh, uh ahsoka and, and huang came to be in in uh partnership and connection with each other after after everything you know Hoang was one of those characters that we don't know what their ultimate fate was after order 66 uh so to see him back with ahsoka was cool but i did you know i have questions but star wars likes to leave us kind of with blanks right they like to kind of keep us guessing and wondering and it leaves them more wiggle room for stories down the road i suppose but you know maybe we'll find out more as the series plays out about how they kind of came into contact with one another again after all this time away um, but it's a neat, a neat sequence. We get to see a bunch of HK droids. That's always fun. Uh, good combat stuff with Ahsoka. Always great to see the lightsaber action. And it was a very fast-paced lightsaber battle with those HK droids, which I really caught my eye. Uh, I want to go back a little bit to our, our, our initial introduction 
to to Balin Skull and and Shin Hati, and I was really impressed with that. I mean, we saw a little bit of it from the trailers, uh, but to kind of see the way they spring into action, begin to get a taste of sort of what their master and apprentice relationship is like. Um, it's it's a little bit different than I expected. Balin Skull is very much not the character I thought he would be. You know, we 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 know he's not a Jedi. We, you know, we're, we're banding about the, the terminology Dark Jedi, Fallen Jedi. You know, clearly not a Sith necessarily, at least not in the sense that we think he may be. But he sort of has this, um, he sort of has the demeanor of a Jedi still, right? And he sort of has a bit of a nostalgia for the Jedi. We see that a little bit of that, a little taste of that in the second episode, in part two. Uh, so I, I think Balin is going to be an interesting character to kind of get to know more about. Now, clearly he talks about in that second episode that they're going to get power. But what kind of power is Balin Skull looking for is, is sort of the question that I'm drawn to. Um, I'm very curious. I love the way they sort of track down his identity. They have that video from when they free Morgan Elsbeth, and, and Huang is able to analyze the lightsaber. I thought that was neat because, I mean, that's, that's Huang's whole thing, right, is, is lightsaber construction. That's his skill set. So for, for Huang to, to have those archival records of everyone's lightsaber hilts was very, very cool. And then very, very cool in the other sense that clearly Shin Hati is new, is someone that, that Balin Skull has recruited himself and taught to construct a lightsaber on his own using Huang's methods. Uh, so she's on the record in the database and is of something of an unknown. Like, I, I'm very curious if we get to see how Balin Skull and, and, and Shin Hati came to be uh, master and apprentice. I'd love to see that. Uh, and then there's the third member of this sort of uh, dark, dark Jedi, fallen Jedi triumvirate, which is Maruk, the uh, Inquisitor that we've seen around in trailers and, and many people have guessed at their identity. And I, I, I can't say I that I've read those articles. You know me, I don't do a lot of the speculation stuff. I don't do a lot of... Uh, of those wild guessing games. But my, my assumption, my theory at this point is that uh, Maruk is Balin Skull's first apprentice that was, uh, uh, I would I'd, I would imagine, corrupted by possibly Darth Vader himself and, and thrown into the Inquisitors. Um, and then at some point, Balin Skull was able to, um, not liberate, but, but, but sort of bring back from the precipice of the dark side uh, and now, but for some reason, as, maybe as a as a as a as a, Oma, as, 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 as a penance, wears still wears that Inquisitor's uniform, still wears that uses that Inquisitor's lightsaber. Um, I'm curious to see if that's what, how it shakes out. We'll find out. But again, that's my guess right now is that uh, Maruk is, is is the first apprentice of Balin Skull, and and, and Skull has sort of put together this uh, sort of family unit of fallen Jedi, right? People who probably had some sort of fallout from Order 66, like Shin Hati. There may be a connection there to the Jedi that we are unaware of thus far that brought her to Skull or Skull to her initially. But yeah, it, it, it almost seems like there's a bit of a loose family structure there, at least as much as a Jedi can get away with, uh, being that Balin Skull was probably brought up as a Jedi from a very young age and doesn't have those sort of familial attachments. But it seems this time around maybe he's going about things a little bit differently uh, because I suspect much like Ahsoka has throughout her tenure here, at some point comes into a, a disagreement with the philosophies of the Jedi. Now again, I am speculating wildly, but but thus far, from what we've seen of Balin Skull through these two episodes, 
what we've seen of Shin Hati through these two episodes and, and even the, the glimpses of Maruk that we've gotten. Uh, I'm very, very interested in their, in their backstory, in their connections with each other. I, I hope we get to see that play out over the remaining six episodes of the season. I'd really like to explore that more fully. Uh, but this is a show that has a lot going on. So I would not be surprised if there are times when we don't get all the answers that we want. <laughs> and maybe that's because there'll be a part two at some point. Though, obviously the passing of Ray Stevens uh, probably precludes him from coming back. So so Balin Skull's fate is probably determined at some point in this series. Though that all does remain to be seen at this point. Uh, another interesting character in this that we learn much more about than when we first met them in season two of The Mandalorian is Morgan Elsbeth. Uh, in this episode, you know, we know she's an Imperial sympathizer. It has an imper it ties to the strong ties to the Empire. Uh, apparently, she's big into manufacturing, uh, whip, uh, engine systems specifically for Star Destroyers, uh, which is, you know, that, that was sort of what was known, right? That she had very strong connections to the Empire. This was some kind of, uh, uh, um, <laughs> we'll just say Imperial, right? We keep it simple at that. And that she has a connection to Thrawn. We still don't know what that connection to Thrawn is, but now they've added, and you notice it more with, the, I think you get kind of clued in here, you notice Morgan Elizabeth's hair is a bit different visually than it was when we first met her in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And that's because I think they're trying to draw and emphasize that connection that is established in these episodes that she is, in fact, a Night Sister, One of the surviving Night Sisters after the big purge of all the Night Sisters, right? So, uh, a very interesting new twist, new layer added to Morgan Elsbeth already, uh, which I'm very intrigued to see how they follow it up, and more intrigued that, that a character uh, connected to the Night Sisters would go and become an Imperial. Now, my suspicion is that it has to do with Thrawn. That Thrawn probably, possibly recruited them into this, and that's why they maybe overlooked the fact that the Republic slash the Separatists slash the Empire, which you know is all kind of big one big thing at the end, uh, led to the Night Sisters' demise, ultimately. So maybe uh, Thrawn was was rather persuasive in what he needed from Morgan Elsbeth, and, and got a bit of a, a, a follower in her in that regard. Again, we'll have to find out. We'll have to learn what these connections are. I'm sort of taking some, some guesses in the dark. But I'm, I'm, you know, her, her, talking again, and this is in part two that she, has, Thrawn's trying to reach out to her, communicate with her. Uh, it's all very, very interesting, interesting stuff. Let's also go ahead and talk about like what we're, what we're doing, what we're after in these first couple of episodes. Uh, we find out, you heard the sound clip right there, that Ahsoka is in search of the map that they need to track down Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting. <laughs> element because Star Wars has become very fascinated with maps recently. We saw it in Rise of Skywalker. We saw it in The Force Awakens. Uh, now we have a new map to track down in Ahsoka. Though what I do think is interesting about this map, uh, and it's sort of like you know, sort of like one of the more um, galaxy-shaking revelations in in this in this series so far, is that not only are they looking for a map that will a lead to Grand Admiral Thrawn and hopefully to Ezra Bridger. Uh, but it is a map that uh, it appears to be have tracked the migratory patterns of the Pergil, right? Which is very, very interesting. 
which also leads to the question is like, did the Night Sisters track the migratory patterns of the Pergil, or was it this other species that they that they referenced that are from another galaxy that came to uh, to oh gosh, I wish I'd written the name of that planet down. Um, you know where where Skull and Elsbeth had had put the sphere once they recovered it um, to, to place it. So it's a it's a it's, it tracks the migratory patterns of the Pergil to another galaxy, which is the first time Star Wars has talked about that about galaxies beyond their own. Uh, so this is a very very interesting revelation in the in the notion that we could possibly take our characters to another galaxy within the Star Wars universe. Uh, so that's a very interesting notion, and we'll, we'll see. I would imagine we will get to that other other galaxy at some point because we know that Thrawn will be in the show. I would imagine Ezra Bridger will also be in the show. So, yeah, we're going to travel to another galaxy in the Star Wars universe. So that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal right there. That's a pretty big piece of information that they give us. But yeah, I'm sort of surprised. You know, I'm, I'm surprised. Not, I'm, I'm surprised by that, but I'm also curious. Were the Night Sisters? Interested in, in the migratory patterns of the Pergil, or was it this other species that came from the other galaxy via methods of the Pergil, that probably provided by the Pergil? Again, the rumor, uh, the, the legends around the Pergil is that, that in the Star Wars galaxy that we know, hyperspace travel was, was developed by observing the Pergil and, and, and their methods of, of racing across the galaxy. That's legend. We don't know that for sure for a fact, but that's sort of like one of the stories bandied about in, in Star Wars. Uh, lore at the moment so so kind of some big deal stuff going on in in this in this episode so we're after a map the bad guys ultimately get the map and we learn more about it and and morgan elsbeth using her nice sister powers is able to activate it in a way that is a very cool visual do not misunderstand me there at all that is a pretty awesome looking visual when she makes that sort of sphere around herself Balen Skull and, and Shin Hati. It's it's very, very neat. Great visuals. And I sort of love the way she delivers that, that backstory there. And and uh, again, you guys have probably all watched those those closing credits, which is very, very cool too, kind of playing along the lines of those maps. Um, that star map that, that they're after. Yeah, cool visuals on that closing credit, by the way. But uh, again, I, I did sort of find it interesting that we were focusing on maps once again in Star Wars. <laughs> so... So some neat stuff. Since since we are talking about a lot of stuff in episode two right now, uh, I, I will mention how much I enjoyed it. Uh, Harrison Dula, Ahsoka Tano going to Corellia, going to the shipyards. We get to see Corellia in the light of day now, looking a little bit more pleasant than when we visited visited it in live action on Sol in Solo. Uh, but we find out that the Imperial presence is still a big deal. Uh, just because the New Republic's calling a shot doesn't mean people have forgotten who the Empire is. Uh, again, it sort of connects back to season three of The Mandalorian in the covert episode. There are a lot of sort of sleeper agents uh, in and amongst the New Republic, you know, sort of showing that fragility of the New Republic, how and how sort of that new government, that new bureaucracy in place, uh, not as not as good as they might think it is, as, as people are still loyal to the Empire. Now, Ahsoka says it's not loyalty, it's greed, but I don't know, man. If you're going to... I don't know a lot of people want to die for money, but the people will die for what they believe in. That's a fact. So I'm I'm very very curious. I'm also curious if if these people are they are they loyal to Morgan Elsbeth in particular, and and by extension Thrawn. Is that what they're waiting for? Is that what they're they know they're doing? They're they're all working towards the goal of bringing Thrawn back, not just again as we as we thought at the end of Rebels. It's not the unknown regions. It's another galaxy. 
So that's where we're really stretching things and getting getting kind of crazy. I sort of skipped over that when we were talking about the map earlier. I apologize. I did want to mention that, again, we just assumed they rocketed towards the unknown regions. No, no, no. Whole new galaxy. <laughs> Which, again, still just blows my mind. But, yeah, I have a lot of questions about the state of, of the New Republic and people who work for it. I don't trust any of them now anymore. I don't know why anybody else should either. But that whole sequence was great. I loved Hera rocketing off after the ship while... Ahsoka stays on the on on the surface to engage in lightsaber combat against an HK droid and uh, Maruk. Fun sequence there. Love seeing uh, uh, Hera and Chopper in action again on the Phantom. Very very cool. Uh, I I was gonna say this and get into it a little bit later, but yeah, we you know what we will we will we'll go back and, and kind of focus on our, our on our heroes here in the next bit. Um, I did like the pacing more in episode two than I did in episode one. I thought it moved quicker. We got to the point on things. We got a lot of information really, really quickly. But again, that's sort of what I expected to happen. Table, or excuse me, episode one had to be sort of table setting, right? You had to bring your new audience in and kind of get them up to speed on the characters, their connections, the fact that they do have a history, even though we're not going to fully explore it uh, in, in, in the depths with which uh, we could. They, they, but again, the implication is go back and just watch Rebels. And you'll get to see a lot of this stuff. So yes, we end up in a very, very peculiar, uh, a tough spot for our, for our heroes at the end of episode two. But it spurs the action forward, so gets our gets our gets our show off to a really strong start. So I'm really glad they put these two episodes out together, uh, because again, you had that first episode that's a lot of table setting and getting things ready to go. But then we got a lot of really great action stuff in the second sequence, or in the second episode even. Um, I guess we'll go back now. Because I don't know what else I want to say about episode two, because we hit the we hit the big high water marks there, right? Like that was all the big stuff. That's all the all the stuff that's of import to discuss. And let's go back a little bit and and get to episode one and and talking about the characters coming together. You know, you have Ahsoka, you have Harrison Dula, you have Sabine Wren, all these characters with a strong connection to each other through the course of the Rebel series, but. I think they did make they may take an effort to simplify things for a new audience. You know, uh, Harrison Dula seems surprised by the revelation that Thrawn is not dead; that he's just out exiled across the galaxy somewhere. And again, they think in the galaxy. Turns out it's another galaxy. <laughs> so that's an interesting revelation on its own. Um, and then the Ahsoka. Sabine dynamic again, sort of tease in the trailers because at one point Sabine does refer to Ahsoka as her master, but now we find out that that at one point they were master and apprentice in a more formal manner than just like some kind of maybe what we might have interpreted as as, as a cutting jab or something of that nature. No, no, no. Ahsoka and Sabine entered into a master and apprentice relationship, apparently for the purposes of training Sabine to be a Jedi, which is very new information <laughs> to to me and I think to many of us. Uh, we've seen Sabine trained with lightsabers in the past, uh, most, most notably the Darksaber when she came into possession of that. Kane and Jarrus handled her lightsaber training for that role. But that was more explicitly to wield the light, to learn how to wield a lightsaber. Now, is that what this is mostly about in this case? Was, was that Sabine wanted to learn how to, how to be a better lightsaber person? <laughs> Or, or was this full blown like Sabine has 
enough latent force ability that she could be trained as a Jedi. I, you know, Huang makes reference to the fact that when it came to force abilities, Sabine's was very nascent, specifically compared to Ezra Bridger's. So I'm I'm very curious if we get to explore this more fully, how this partnership, how this relationship came to be, uh, how this apprenticeship came to be, and and ultimately what brought it to its end. And I suspect we'll get there, so I don't want to speculate too much on that at the moment. But I would imagine we'll get to explore that ground there. Because, again, it seems like a lot has happened between Sabine and Ahsoka since we saw them at the end of Rebels. But we, we sort of recreate the end of Rebels, right? At the end of Episode 2, when, when Sabine finally comes to be the version of her that we see at the end of the animated series of Rebels before they take off looking for Thrawn and Bridger. So they sort of recreate that scene. It's a little different visually, but it's kind of a nice little moment that, like, hey, we're jumping off here. That little epilogue that we had in Rebels, this is it. And now we're jumping off into the, that new adventure that we promised. So that's kind of a cool element of things. I really, really did enjoy that a lot. Uh, I want to go back and talk about Sabine because this the show may be titled Ahsoka, but I think Sabine is sort of stealing the show, at least in these first two episodes, uh, as, as her journey, as her emotional the emotional weight that she carries with her for sort of being the survivor of, of the specters, right? Of, uh, in, in a sense. I mean, she's the one character who doesn't seem to have moved on. You know, Ahsoka's, or excuse me, you know, well, Ahsoka is doing her thing. You know, Harrison Duel is a general in, in the New Republic now. Uh, we, we've, we've seen everyone in the Rebels crew kind of doing different things, having moved on. And she's the one person on, in, in place. She's on Lethal. She's hanging around, not doing much. Doesn't want to be part of these ceremonies that kind of remind her of what she must perceive as a failing, which is was, is the disappearance of Ezra Bridger, the presumed death of Ezra, Ezra Bridger. Uh, so she, she's been mired in that for quite some time. Now, as is a, a plot element that we could also apply to Ahsoka, <laughs> you have to sort of wonder, well, after Rebels ended, like what exactly did, did Sabine do in the intervening years? Obviously, she spent time with Ahsoka, but we all wonder, like, where was Ahsoka during the time of the original trilogy? What was she up to? Now, I guess, I guess it's possible that she and Sabine Wren were gallivanting across the galaxy as Master and Apprentice, doing different things on behalf of the Rebellion, but we don't know for sure. There's a lot of wiggle room to tell some stories there and get, in, get into things. But for whatever reason, once... Once Ahsoka and uh, Sabine's partnership <laughs> dissolved, Sabine simply went back to Lethal and, and, and sort of, I don't know, pined for Ezra in a way. Not necessarily romantically because they had that weird hologram where Ezra calls her his sister, which is sort of contrary to the open, first couple seasons of this show where I feel like Ezra very much wanted to have a romantic relationship with Sabine, but again, relationships grow and develop and change, right? So again, that'll have to be explored more fully later if, if we ever get to see Ezra in uh, real life in this series. So the dynamics between the, 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 this group of friends is very different than where we left it and very interesting. So I'm waiting to see how that sort of shakes out, how much more information we get but Sabine sort of steals the show, I think, in these first two episodes. Now, again, I, I, it was interesting to see her get get stabbed, <laughs> you know, impaled on a, on a Shin Hati's lightsaber at the end of episode one. But I think we all knew she wasn't going to go out like that. So it, it sort of was anticlimactic in that sense. But 
it gives it gives us a sense to see that uh, Shin Hati is is pretty darn formidable, and that uh, whatever lightsaber training Sabine Ren has, uh, she is not kept up with, as as she was very easily outmatched by Shin Hati uh, when they recovered the sphere. You know, and let's go back to that too. Let's talk a little bit again that Ahsoka Sabine relationship, that master and apprentice relationship is a strained relationship, and so much so that Sabine has no regard for following instructions from Ahsoka. That's why she takes the spear, leaves the ship, and ultimately the bad guys take it because uh, apparently she's acting out. She's rebellious. She's got issues with authority still. Um, is it specifically directed at Ahsoka or is it a, like a sort of a general attitude because of the loss of Ezra and the, and, and, and the things that have happened in the intervening years that we don't quite have all the answers to? I'm, I'm interested in that. I, I did really enjoy also Sabine's entrance in this episode. The the the, the speeder racing down the streets, the the fall security forces trying to det- detain her and bring her back to the ceremony where she's supposed to be speaking in honor of Ezra. Um, all that stuff was very very cool. Uh, and again, the visuals on it were pretty awesome, showing Sabine as sort of the character that we know and love. And again, Sabine is, in many senses, Sabine's the most accurate character to what we saw in Rebels, right? So, like, not only are they standing still in their life, but they seem to, sort of be, seem to be standing still in their, their growth as an individual in, in a lot of senses. Uh, because Ahsoka and Hera are quite different than when we saw them last in, in Rebels. Now, part of that may be, be just sort of like the general uh, leap from animation to live action, but but Hera, Syndulla, you know, I don't want to say that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is a little flat as, as Hera, but uh, Hera doesn't quite have like that swagger, doesn't quite have the, the little bit of bravado uh, that she had as like this great pilot. Um, and I, I, w- I wish we'd see a little bit more of that from the character. But again, you know, a, a big chunk of time has passed. You know, we're, we're like eight-ish years removed from the end of Rebels, right? Somewhere around there, maybe 10. And, and Ahsoka seems to have become more stoic uh, since our last full-time adventures with her, more... Uh, more centered, more, more. Well, uh, we'll just we'll, instead of saying more, we'll just say less. She seems less emotional, and it, it's sort of one of the big differences that I see from Ahsoka in the animated series to what we've seen from Rosario in the live action so far. You know, she was a little bit more approachable in her Mandalorian episodes, a little bit more of the the sort of friendly, welcoming Ahsoka. This episode, she seems more Jedi like in a sense. And I wonder if that has to do with the, the, the parallels they're drawing between the master and, relation, master and apprentice relationship. Or uh, has, has something occurred to make her be more Jedi-like once again? Uh, is, is she harboring ideas of what the Jedi Order needs to be to come back, even though she seems to not, she seems to actively say she's not a Jedi still, and that she's not part of the Order, but she seems to act more like a Jedi than we have seen her in the past. Um, and I always sort of harbored these ideas. And again, the, since the Mandalorian has come on in 2019 and reintroduced these characters and, and shown that Ahsoka is connected to Luke Skywalker, uh, it, a lot of my old Ahsoka ideas have kind of been blown out of the water, which I'll, I'll reemphasize here for anyone who maybe has forgotten or, or is unaware. Uh, I always sort of thought that Ahsoka leaving the Order was the best thing for that character because not only did they see the failings of the institution, but they saw what was wrong with the, with the institution, the ideologies that were flawed. And... I thought, if anything, Ahsoka should start a new order or a new group of, of force-wielding heroes because 
she has seen the hypocrisy and the and the false uh the the wrongness of those ideologies that the Jedi had that led them so far astray that led them to be blinded by the dark side that Ahsoka would sort of be like this transcendent character who could either bring the Jedi back but in a different fashion or again start a whole new order of force users that go a different direction uh but when we saw her in the book of Boba Fett sort of enabling Luke Skywalker to, to tread down this road that's been tread down many many times without giving showing him the, like the warning signs and learn from everything that she's experienced sort of <laughs> sort of upset the apple cart I had made in my mind for for the Ahsoka character like if the Jedi Order is going to come back I feel like she should give Luke a few warnings about things but you know what do I know? We haven't really explored the new Jedi Order very much yet, so we don't really know uh, how many of Luke's, uh, how many things Luke brought from the old school to the new school. So I guess that's something that we'll have to explore one day as well. But yeah, so Ahsoka's a little bit different than I would have expected her to be, and I, I, I don't blame, I, I do not fault Rosario. It's it's probably what's asked for in in the scripts in the material for the for the tone of the series. But I, it makes me miss. It makes me miss. Ashley Eckstein's a very emotional version of Ahsoka Tano. So maybe we'll get to see that at some point, maybe as the characters kind of grow and reconnect with each other. Uh, Ahsoka will kind of take down her guard, maybe you know, let her defenses down a little bit, become more of that Ahsoka that we know and, and love so much. And again, not a knock on the character, because I'm really I'm, I'm digging the character on the show, but you have to notice those, those differences that are, that are stark at times compared to where we last saw them. But again, remember, a lot of time has passed, but we haven't seen Ahsoka in this timeline. So just things I'm watching, things I'm, I'm taking note of, and and uh, generally, you know, <laughs> just kind of observing at this point in things. So I, I wanted to mention that we, uh, the going back to the map, the Pergo Migration Path, I, I did like that uh, Balin Skull referred to something called the Pathway of Peridia, a, a sort of a, a Jedi folklore that, that younglings tell each other about other galaxies. Uh, I sort of like that that's sort of the connection that he makes when Morgan Elsbeth shows him that star map to another galaxy. I thought that was very fascinating. I'd love to hear more about that. Uh, so, again, two densely packed episodes, a lot of information in these episodes. I'm really looking forward to rewatching them over the weekend uh, and, and, and sort of diving into them a little bit more fully. But they're great. There's good action in both episodes, a lot of storytelling in both episodes. Again, you know, you're reconnecting characters in, in the first part, and you're introducing a bunch of new ones in part one. Uh, so, so part two, I think, really takes off when, we, when we're sort of ready to go. And now the way episode two, or excuse me, part two closes with that moment, sort of recreating the end of Rebels and, 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 and telling us who are in the know that, hey, all right, we're launching forward six new episodes. This is the adventure we were promised all those years ago when Rebels came to an end. That's really exciting stuff. So I'm, I'm really delighted with that. I think the show has a lot of promise, a lot of potential, and I'm really liking where it's, it's headed right now. You know, it's, it's always been the, the prerogative of this podcast to uh, uh, be the positive light on Star Wars shows. And, you know, we, we do comment when things seem a little out of alignment with... Uh, the lore and the continuity and, and things like that. We'll, we'll point those things out, you know. But this episode, this this show, I'm I'm less trepidatious about the show than I have been about Kenobi or about even Book of Boba Fett. You know, um, this this show, I think it's in good hands. I think Dave Filoni um, 
having learned at the at the feet of the master George Lucas himself, uh, it has a very clear vision of what he wants this series to be and where he wants it to go. I don't think we're gonna get episodes that sort of like wander and meander. I think it is gonna be concise. There's a lot of characters in the show. There's a lot of background information that that they need to figure out how to get across to a new audience that doesn't watch the animated stuff. Uh, and then we have a ton of new characters that I want to get to explore fully too. So there's there's a lot of on the plate for this series. And I really hope that we're able to uh, uh, get those answers, get that information that we want about the background. Particularly, like I'm, I'm completely fascinated by the bad guys so far. You know, Morgan Elizabeth has a night sister. What? Okay, tell me more. Tell me how she survived. Was she on Dathomir when the Separatists attacked? I want to know these things. Balin Skull, where was he at Order sixty six? What happened? Is is you know, I, just tell me more. I want, I want to know all those connections. They, they intrigue me. Uh, Shin Hati, I need to know more. Maruk, I need to know more. Let's, let's, let's get into it. And we haven't even gotten to the, the throne of it all. We haven't even gotten to the throne of it all yet. So I'm very intrigued. Uh, you guys may remember I've, I've made a lot of uh, uh, references to the Heir to the Empire novels in the past, how much I love them, how much they set my, my they rekindled my Star Wars uh, passion in the early 90s. Uh, so, so to see something of a loose adaptation of it is very, very exciting to me. Uh, and I can't wait to see more Thrawn. Like, when do we get Thrawn? He's got to be coming. We know he's coming. We've seen him. Uh, is Ezra coming? We want to see more Ezra. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. So big, big stuff coming up. New episodes every Tuesday. Again, uh, not that they care. Not that they need me to, to acknowledge it. But big thanks to Disney for putting this out earlier on Tuesdays. It will enable this show, this podcast, to to chug along. And, and uh, very likely, hopefully, barring any unforeseen disasters get episodes out on wednesdays to cover the show that new early release schedule is massively helpful to me so thank you thank you thank you disney for doing that uh and and um should we give them buckets i i'm gonna give the first episode i'm gonna give part one i'm gonna give part one like like eight and a half buckets i really liked it, it again it's got some pacing issues it's kind of slow but i love seeing everyone reconnect introducing these new characters loved it loved it loved it uh, Sabine getting stabbed, Sabine being uh, uh, broody and, and wistful, <laughs> and then part two, uh, where we up the ante, we, we start to see some action stuff, we get, we get Chopper, uh, we, we get to see the, the, the cracks in the New Republic, about how the, 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 the Imperial Remnant seems to have infiltrated very strongly, but again, is it Imperial Remnant, or is it like Thrawn loyalists, Thrawn devotees, I, I want to know more, uh, I, I give part two almost nine buckets. Nine. I think I'm going to give it a nine. Really, really liked it. Love that lightsaber combat against Maruk. Love the visuals of the uh, star of the star chart. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I sort of loved Balin Skull kind of like waxing nostalgic for the Jedi Order. Uh, very, very cool stuff. I can't wait to see more. I hope you all uh, have watched the show, have enjoyed the show. Love to hear your thoughts. Please hit me up. Let me know what you're thinking of the show. Uh, we'll get a friend on at some point to talk about this series whether at the end or in the middle, uh, to be determined. But I'm going to be reaching out, and you probably know who I'm reaching out to. He's probably listening right now, so his ears are percolating right now. They're perking up. He's like, he's talking about me. And <laughs> so we'll be able to have a, have a very lively discussion about Ahsoka at some point in the future here, and I'm really, really excited for it. So at this point, I do want to kind of wrap things up, all right? We'll be back every Wednesday if everything goes according to plan. <laughs> and I can't wait to have you guys here for the ride on the Ahsoka series. Uh, as the episodes shift into the, into you know more singular format, you know one episode at a time, we'll be able to kind of dive into 
each episode a little bit more uh, fully and kind of pull apart each of the layers that they, they present to us. I'm, I'm really looking forward to breaking them down in that fashion again. Two episodes is just a lot to kind of dive into as, as one person. <laughs> so I hope this has been okay for you. I hope you're entertained by my ideas and my notions. Uh, and hey, check us out on social media. We're still on Twitter. We don't know for how long, but we're definitely on Instagram. So find us over at Mando underscore Vision. You can email the show MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. And hey, if you're liking the show, give us those sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews. They are so very, very helpful for small, independent Star Wars shows like us. They help us stand out, not get lost in the shuffle, and uh, get new ears to listen to the show. So again, I hope you're liking the show. I, uh, this pod- I hope you're liking this podcast and the Ahsoka series. Uh, so <laughs> we'll get out of here for now. We'll be back next week. It's going to be a great one. I I can feel it already in my bones. Uh, So with that being said, let's get out of here. My name is Tom, Nargai Tom. This is the Minivision Podcast. Buckethead Nation, you are the best. Thank you for always being here and supporting the podcast. Uh, And and we we have no intention of stopping through the rest of 2023. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And we will be back next week. But remember, Bucketheads, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. We've been looking for this. That's too bad. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.